Welcome to the second series of the Firefly Creatrix podcast. I'm so happy to be back. In the first series, I journeyed through themes connected to personal experiences on my creative path, which revealed wisdom that has been right under my nose all along. It's already unlocked another layer of freedom within my creative approach and expression. If you want, you can go back and listen if you haven't already. This series, delving deeper into this theme, I'm talking to incredible people that I've met in different areas of my life, talking about their experiences of reclaiming their wild creativity. I'm so excited. Let's jump right in. Another little twist and turn in our The Firefly Creatrix podcast journey is that today, despite the introduction, it is just me by myself. And full disclaimer, that is for a a few different reasons. Um, One of which is that the guests that I have lined up are, like me, all very busy this summer. And so we've struggled to get time in the diary where both of us can be fully kind of grounded and able to be, um, you know, not rushed and not having another appointment straight afterwards. Um, And I really value that ability to drop in and really share from a place of, um, you know, a relaxed nervous system rather than it being something to be fitted in to a to a much busier schedule. So I haven't been able to record as many as I thought I would have done by this point. Um, so that's one thing. Um, but I'm really excited about the guests that I've got coming up. I've got a few more recordings scheduled now. So never fear. <laughs> the next few will be some amazing guests um, with really sort of different points of view, different aspects, different wild creativity to share from. Um, And also the other thing is really that I had not appreciated or been prepared for, I think, the kind of the power of having these conversations with people and the vulnerability and the um, openness and the radical honesty that was going to be shared. Um, I mean, I knew it would happen, but I think it's really moved me and it's also made me realise that throughout the first series um, I was sharing a lot about about me but it was quite and it was quite um, cryptic at times because that was what I needed that was what I was kind of working through Um, and maybe yeah some of the questions that I'm giving our guests sort of to I give them a set of questions before we meet up just to allow that to kind of percolate in their minds. And the questions don't necessarily come up as direct questions through the conversation, but generally we we touch on many of these different points. And I realised that actually I I haven't answered some of these questions, um, you know, in podcast format, in, in the kind of form formation incarnation that I'm in now and so I felt like just taking a moment with this episode taking a kind of reflection point gratitude for the three incredible conversations that have already gone out into the world to Tamara to Laura to Vero for sharing their time with us sharing their insight um and just how kind of radically um radically different each one has been but and also that kind of theme the theme of reclaiming our wild creativity for me has definitely shown up um in each and every one and so there is this thread that has connected them all together and yet they have you know they're they're also unique and I love that kind of metaphorically representing what you know what I feel like internally I'm I'm dealing with what I'm delving into what I'm experiencing what I'm seeing in the world is this kind of different people rising in different ways and yet it's all wild creativity it's all people coming back to what they knew to be true within themselves so <laughs> with all that said with like you know me going off into a little tangent again I'm going to kind of go through the questions that I've sent to people prior to our conversations and answer them a little bit myself so that we've kind of got um, a little reference point with who you're who you're hearing from on this podcast um, or who I am right now anyway so yeah without further ado let's get into it 
So the first one is, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you show up in the world in your own words? Um, so yeah, is there anything that wants to be heard or shared in this space right now that feels safe um, and and obviously valid and, and um, relevant, but you know, that needs to kind of come through that people need to know about you as a guest and therefore right now me as uh, Sophie, as the creative Firefly, the Firefly Creatrix, um, the host of the Firefly Creatrix podcast and the Firefly Creatrix herself in essence. Okay, so how would I answer that? Woohoo, it's big, it's big. Um, right now, as I say for many people this summer, having been the first one kind of really out of the pandemic, it feels like, although we're still, you know, recovering and unpacking and will be for a very long time, the experience of the pandemic. Um, I feel like this is the first summer where I've really felt that kind of burst of summer energy for a good few years and so I'm in this space of really delving deeper hence this this series of podcasts that I wanted to release delving deeper into what is wild creativity for me where have I been kind of um, brought to my knees I suppose where have I been stopped where have I been um, waylaid or diverted or um, distracted by other people's versions of creativity and I'm really looking at how my journey to get to where I am and hence again the first series was very much about this how the journey of where you know of how I've got here has shaped me and how I can reflect back to different parts of my life and see see how be- you know how beautiful what I was experiencing was and how much information how much how many gems there were in in that in those experiences so how I show up right now is in quite a few different ways within the kind of creative world and I do class myself as an artist more and more each day it's you know I've, I think I said it for the first time maybe in 2021, but really believed it, started to really believe it in 2022 that I am an artist, which my five-year-old self knew for sure. There was no question for her that I was an artist, but for me as an adult, it's taken a long time to come back to. And so that part for me at the moment looks like um, hand-drawn illustrations, which if you've been on my website, you'll see there's, there's quite a few of those featured. I still love that. I still love my hand-drawn illustrations, which took me on a real journey last year with the moon phase goddesses. And what's newer this year in 2023 is lino cutting. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what lino cutting is, it's quite an ancient art. Um, it would have been, it can also be, it would also have been etching, um, in which case that would have been etching into wood. So you etch a design, carve a design. For me as lino cutter, you carve a design into a piece of linoleum, I guess the long word is, but lino is the easier word to say. You cut a design into lino, um, and it's obviously the reverse, it's the negative, it's like the reverse, it's the mirror image. So when you, you know, on your phone, when you're taking a selfie, it's like that, it's like the mirror image. And then you put ink, once the, once the design is carved out, you put ink onto it and you print it onto paper, you know, I'm experimenting at the moment, paper, fabric, um, different materials using different kinds of ink. And that for me to get back to that kind of handcrafted um, medium is just magic. Um, it's something that I probably had the opportunity to do as a, as a teenager. And I'm reflecting at the moment that um, I didn't, <laughs> I chose not to, I was so desperate to get into the digital world into this realm that I saw as connected with success, with a career path, with um, the new world, I suppose, as that in that kind of age bracket of just wanting to be very modern, very um, whatever's the most newest, you know, the newest way of doing things. That was what I wanted to delve into and obviously that still serves me today because I still use a lot of those skills 
So no, you know, no hard feelings or no bad judgment on that. Um, and also what I've reflected on is that if I did start to do those, these handcrafted techniques at that age, I probably wouldn't have known what to handcraft, you know, what was my content. And actually now as a, as a 35 year old who has had a lot of life experience, um, a lot of ups and downs, I've got so much kind of to work with, so much um, that I want to say and so much that is important to me. So I've got a lot of a lot that inspires me, let's say. Um, so yeah, that's a big part. And I've been doing uh, markets and selling my art on Etsy as well. I've got a few Christmas markets already booked in, which is really exciting. It gives me something to aim for. It gives me something to create for. And I'm really experimenting. Um, I'm, you know, watching a lot on, on Instagram, not so much YouTube, but um, Instagram, you know, finding some really incredible inspiration and really loving that journey of, of just finding my way. Um, and again, I think had I done this when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, all those kind of ages, I would have been so influenced by other people that I would have tried to emulate them. Whereas what's different, very different now is that I'm being inspired by other people um, and seeing like, cool, that's your style. That's amazing. And I love it. And it's not my style and it's not something I would produce, but I can um, kind of glean things from the techniques or see like, oh, wow, I could create that shape or try that layering technique. And that's what I'm doing right now is trying a layering technique that I haven't really seen anyone else doing, but um, it's inspired by what other people I've seen other people doing. It's not the same, but it's it's inspired by. So, yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I need to keep my answers a bit shorter. I'm going to be here all day. Um, doing that, the handcrafting, very passionate about that. I've joined a makerspace in Colchester where I live, which shout out to the makerspace. It has really, uh, yeah, it's really moved me. Just the community there. There's 150 members of this makerspace. It's, um, you know, rough and ready. And it's a lot, a lot of ceramics, ceramists, um, potters and people throwing pots. Um, there's a few printmakers like me, um, but it's just full of people who are following their joy. And that to me is very special. And then the other, so yeah, the other things that I do, which I'm really passionate about, and I may have mentioned before, is um, I work with a lot of university um, research projects. So I am have always been really passionate about social justice and using my creativity hence the Nepal work to emphasize and celebrate and um, kind of draw attention to issues and what's been really magical over the last few years since since the pandemic really um, is that I've kind of come into contact with a few academic projects and they've you know one's joined onto the other and I've been recommended through different kind of um, departments which is brilliant um, to help to really represent incredible research which is coming out. We know that women's bodies and marginalized people's bodies have been so neglected through research and historically, and that's changing. Um, and we know that a lot of data, it, 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 what has again, historically wanted to be very black and white, very kind of statistical and very kind of numbers driven. And generally the kind of studies that I am being called, you know, I'm being um, hired, I suppose, to work on are the opposite of that. They're stories based. They are, yes, there's data involved, but it's much more um, holistic and, um, you know, taking nuance into account. It's not, it's not trying to black and white stories so there's a lot of collab collaborative um, approaches that I'm working with, co-production co methods. Um, yeah, and it's, it's just really, it's so interesting. The studies that I'm, I'm getting involved in are pretty radical, but they're looking at issues that, you know, have been so under the radar for so long. Um, and what I love is that these academic researchers are, you know, understanding 
that yes, academic research is so valuable. And yet most of the time it stays within the academic community, within the academic world, and it's not disseminated to the day-to-day -day people. And actually the day-to-day -day people are generally the subjects of this of, of the studies, and yet they don't benefit from it necessarily, uh, or not directly, definitely. So what these what they're trying to do and they're trying to understand and what kind of I celebrate when I talk about it and I did a presentation about it recently or yeah it was included in a presentation I did recently at Liverpool John Moores University um, where I talked about the power of having a visual output having it may not be visual maybe it's a podcast maybe it's a like a way for, a different other ways for people to um, interact like for the general public to interact with a study. But what I've obviously found as a visual magician is that for me, it's like, does it, can we have a logo for this project? Can we have some, a style that people can relate to, that people can recognize? Um, and it's not just a 20, 20 page word document that has nothing for people to gra grasp onto or to be inspired by, or to even have their attention caught by. So yeah, it's like, can we have a visual style, a logo, an illustration style, a color palette, a typeface that is recognizable and easily legible. And obviously we consider accessibility and how to make things um, yeah, accessible for a wider demographic of people. And then often, actually all the ones I'm working on at the moment, they all want video content. So we're looking at how, you know, how can we make in quite a short space of time, how can we make these um, approaches understandable to everyone rather than it just be for a few people? Again, we're trying to break down this kind of elitist nature that has been so prevalent in society. So, yeah, let's just stop that. <laughs> not this. <laughs> that is the, the, the theme of the moment is not this anymore. We've had this for a long time and that is done. The time for this is done. We're moving on. So, um, yeah, breaking that down, making it accessible, some through illustration, uh, sorry, some through animation, with simple animation that I love doing. I am learning to do more complex ones, but I actually still, gonna lie, not gonna lie, I really still prefer doing my quirky and chunky and clunky um, animation style. The illustration's not necessarily clunky and chunky, but the way that it moves, um, it just feels, I don't know, to me, it just feels more honest. There's a kind of, innocence about it um but then I bring in little bits of more kind of after effects animation so yeah I'm learning it's all a, it's all a journey um and yeah through that through those videos we then have content and our team the teams then have content um to share to share at exhibitions to share at conferences to share online um, and then, you know, then there's potential with funding. So that's another big part of it is educating around the importance of getting funding at the beginning of a research project and to put that into an initial bid so that people, so that it's not like a mad scramble at the end of a project when you're like, wow, we've got all of this content, all of this data, all of this information that we want to translate into a visual output that, that you know, someone down the road who's dealing with the same issue but you know they're not in an academic world will be able to find it online or find it i don't know on instagram or in a leaflet in their local shop <laughs> i don't know what it might be used in um it can be a mad scramble at the end to try and get funding so it's really that's another really exciting part of this is to have ha I'm having conversations with within different academic circles around the importance of including that within their initial bids. So that's cool. That's really cool. And of course, I'm still, as ever, working with incredible small businesses, clients um, who are offering just offering things from their heart. And I just I'm so often so moved by it. Um, by what they're offering and why and their kind of ethos and and their their mission to kind of bring their form of magic which is very obviously different to mine but connected so often it's like people who work in healing spaces um different kinds of therapists different uh holistic offerings 
um, other other artists in different ways who maybe don't specialize in how do we create logos and how do we create kind of consistent visual worlds um and then also yeah i'm getting a few commissions for bespoke pieces of art so that is another kind of chapter which i'm excited about and you can probably hear my voice a little bit nervous to say out loud because it it makes it a bit more real um because again i've had this conditioning where you only talk about things that are definite and you only talk about things when they're really embedded and safe and you can say it without um you know someone challenging you and asking a thousand you know you've got to be able to answer all a thousand questions correctly um but yes yeah, so this is a new chapter for me is is and it's on my website that you can ask for a bespoke illustration and yeah i've had a few coming in so that's really cool i still love doing book illustrations i have got potential project coming up for that um because i feel like again a book a set of book illustrations or designing a full book which i can also do <laughs> not just the illustrations I have done quite a few full books with laying out the all the pages and the information too all the text um but, but again creating a, an, a a set of illustrations for a book it is creating you build you're building up a story even if it's even if even if I don't get to read the text which I will get to read the text if I'm working on a book but even if I just get a few kind of lines of text that I know that I have to work with for each illustration, the way that all those illustrations build together creates a story within themselves that, that people relate to or people can piece together, you know, because it's it's a, they're, they're visually similar styling or the, the same styling because they've come from me, from one one artist. And then, yeah, they get pieced together by through through the book. Content, through the book format sorry and yeah I, I feel I feel as though some books there's real potential to then build on that you know if you want to build a world around that book how those illustrations are created and how they relate to each other is imperative for how that world then builds around it and the inspiration for how that world could build around it so yes oh and one other one other thing which again feels a little bit scary and vulnerable to say out loud but my I've applied for a few grants in my time because of working uh, with Kumari's Adventure with Her Moon Cycle which is my project in, in Nepal and as anyone who has followed that journey will know we have applied for quite a few grants and we've got some um but I've never applied for a grant for myself and I did that for the first time this week and that you know i there's no expectation expectation at this point from that i get this grant <laughs> i would love to get this grant and i think the project that i've um put forward for it is really powerful uh i'm not and at the same time i appreciate and acknowledge that grant writing is a skill it is it is a job. I mean, there are people who that is their job to write grants, write grant applications, to get the language right, to make sure it's cohesive, to ensure that you're ticking all the boxes that the particular funder wants to have ticked. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I've done that. But partly why I did it was was this kind of message to the universe, was to kind of take that moment, because I was basically the deadline I thought the deadline was was one day and it was actually the day before at 12 noon so it was like a whole day and a half less than I had so I had that point where I'd I'd sort of prepared the content I prepared the project that I want to do as part of this grant which is with the Arts Council England I won't you know pretend that it's some I don't know that's that's who it's with Arts Council England and I had this moment where I was like, right, well, I could just not do it. I could just, uh, th no one's expecting me to apply. No one is relying on me applying. Um, and I had to think, I was like, but I can, I can do it. I can, it will take a bit of effort. I'm going to have to stay up late, um, go through all of the details, make sure I've not missed any of the points that they need. 
I've got to write the budget, I've got to break that budget down, I've got to write the time plan, all of the things. And yeah, obviously I could have just been like, nah, I'll wait for the next round. But there was something in me that was like, actually, even if what I, what I submit is not perfect, it's a message. It's a message to the universe. It's a message to myself that, that, that this is something that I want to focus on, that this and the title of what I was putting in was decolonizing my good girl creativity. So very aligned with this podcast series. Um, yeah, even if I don't get it, it's a message. It's, it's affirming to me, to the people around me, that this is very important to me. And I feel there's so much value in it, there's so much value in almost combining our self-development work, our kind of deep diving into, you know, into our spirituality, I suppose, into who who am I? Who, who, who have I come here to be? What's my purpose? All of those kind of questions. And, and then looking at what has, as I mentioned at the beginning, what has diverted me, what has confused me, what has conditioned me to be something else within, within this path. Um, so yeah, basically I did, I did submit and I'm pretty proud of my application, um, which is the main thing. Like, yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be opportunities. There's going to be lots of different ways of hopefully getting funding for creating um, bigger projects of, of art-based work that, eventually what they are for my benefit they're for me as an artist to develop my practice and eventually they will be to give back to I've done a lot of giving back in my time um I guess another thing to mention as part of this first question which I'm gonna make sure I don't take so long to answer one question as we go through but um yeah, one of the main thing, or one of the big things I've spent my time in the last eight years is giving back um, in in Nepal, in Nepal, um, in various ways. And what I've kind of come to realize now is that I'm still so passionate about all those things, and I have absolutely zero re regret for the work that I've done to build the projects that have been built and continue to run. And yet there's part of it that's like, especially for Kumari's adventure with her moon cycle, which is all about empowering young people, particularly young female, female identifying people to be in their power, um, to understand, to, to, you know, question, to ask questions, to know who they are, to um, really step into what they, to who they want to be and to, you know, question menstrual taboos if they want to, to use the products that they want to use, all of those things. If I'm going to, you know, if I want to do that kind of work, which I do and I have been, I need to know who I am. Um, that sounds weird. I do know who I am, <laughs> but I need to know, I need to almost know why. There's that deconditioning of why, what was it that brought me to do that work in Nepal? I experienced an earthquake. Well, a lot of people experience an earthquake and they, you know, maybe they have some therapy, maybe they, you know, talk about it with their friends and their family and they find a way to move past it and move past that kind of fear of death that comes with any kind of natural disaster that you survive. But for some reason I didn't. I mean, I did do all those things. I did talk to people and I did get help and I took it upon myself to kind of build a movement around it and there's something in that um that needs that that I not needs to be but that I feel like it's important for me to explore to in, again to ensure that it's coming that I'm coming from the right place that, to ensure that um yeah to ensure that I'm really it, it's really honest and authentic offering which I had, you know, and I've done this along the way. I've always questioned myself. I've always, especially as a as a, a foreign person working in a South Asian country, um, always questioned myself. Always calling myself out, making sure that I'm not kind of leading from my ego, um, and and centering the voices that I want. That that yeah, that the project is looking to celebrate, and I feel like that that's that work is never done. 
<laughs> it's like you have to keep you have to keep delving the longer these things go on the more it reveals it's like a journey the journey is taking me on a journey uh, into myself and into like you know again the conditioning my conditioning and I'm so grateful for that I'm so grateful that this work in Nepal has taken me on this completely wild journey into myself and my whys and my who's and what's and where's and all of those questions so my creative magic which is the second question is is all of those things I think it is this it's how all of they could sound quite different, those things, from the academic research to the charity work in Nepal to the cutting linos in an incredible studio in Colchester to creating logos for empowered small businesses. It could sound quite different, but it's it's the weave and the weft and the understanding that actually the, the ethos underneath all of those things is the same, is that... Um, dedication to delving <laughs> it's it's the dedication to story and to and to seeing people's stories to including narrative in all of it and and, and it not just being a you know very flat single-minded response or I feel I feel quite strongly that I can say now that all of my work is multifaceted there is nothing about my work that is just like oh yeah I just read a line of an email and I can just produce something I can't do that I mean I could but it would be totally against my ethos and my energy my purpose here everything that I do has meaning has um has purpose has a as a reason for being and that's really important to me so I see that as my creative magic um is there a particular memory that you have from childhood that encouraged you to be creative um I don't have a particular memory actually of being encouraged but I have a lot of memories that pop up that are around or are like reference points for me now looking back knowing that that child version of me just trusted she knew that she was an artist and an author she didn't question that she didn't think oh well that doesn't make any money so you can't have those titles <laughs> that's too dangerous you need to have a title that's got possibility and promise and potential to open up a career path that can lead you down to so and so so that you'll earn such and such amount of money no she didn't think of any of those things so uh, the particular memories that I have are and I want to try and find these things if I if my if me and my parents have kept them I'm not sure if we've kept all of them but particular memories are looking at a I mean, I haven't kept this because it wasn't something that I made, but looking at a cereal box <laughs> and asking questions about a cereal box. I have such vivid memory of that and I don't know why. Asking questions about why something looked the way that it did and about some of the language that was used that just seemed a bit um, misleading. Um, and as a child, I definitely didn't understand it. I think it's that line on a, on a cereal box that says like, we don't make cereal for anybody else, which at the time I was like, what? What does that mean? Like, I know that my friend has this same cereal, so you make it for him too. I don't get it. So I remember like, again, yeah, questioning language. And obviously that, that what that does mean is that they don't sell their cereal. I think it was Kellogg's at the time. Um, Kellogg's don't sell their cereal to like Tesco to, to um, be used for own brand. Um, that's what that means. And it used to be written on cereal boxes. But I'm, yeah, that, that memory sticks out. The other memories that I have that stick out are finding a bird book. I mean, I had many kind of nature books and I loved nature. Finding a bird book and deciding that I wanted to redesign it and would spend my evenings, I don't know how long for, and I don't know how many pages I actually did, but it, it's a quite a strong memory of redrawing this bird book. Um... Again, another one that I refer to quite a lot is making snail houses in the garden. Um, again, that's not sort of a graphic thing. 
graphic design thing, but um, just that idea of creating worlds and deciding, you know, where their house was going to be and where they were going to go down to the river and <laughs> where the path was, all those kind of things, I guess more infrastructure, but quite 3D. And I like that. I've always liked 3D things as well. I like thinking about the journey um, and how how a snail in this instance will experience that journey, <laughs> which is quite funny now, um, but beautiful. I love that memory. And one last one is a poignant one from year six. So I'd have been 11. Um, was an animal farm project where we read the animal farm story by George Orwell and we had to create like a, a book, uh, a sketch, uh, not a sketchbook, it wouldn't have been called that, like a scrapbook. Um, and we had specific like, I suppose, essays, if they were called that at that time, essays or things that we had to write about, like about specific characters. And I just went to town on this book. I just, everything that, like the you know, you could have just done the bare minimum and written what needed to be written, but every page was decorated, every page was drawn and had, you know, certain characters drawn on it and and fold out flaps and all these things. And I, and, and I mean, that's, I'm curious about that, that one, just because of the age that I was at, like there was definitely a, a, a certain amount of it that was looking for approval and validation from both my teachers and my parents. Um, to get that kind of good girl response um, but it was also just this like an opportunity to go deeper and to and I think this is very poignant like what I'm experiencing now is that actually delving deeper through creativity means that I have I have a deeper experience of that topic um, yeah so that was pretty powerful uh, another question um, what, uh, is there a memory that made you doubt your ability or right to show up as, as my unique creative self? Again, not a particular memory, but I think just this kind of, and I can't even say where this came from, whether it was my parents or society as a whole, and it's probably everything combined, but definitely the sense that by the time I was in my teens, being an artist wasn't even in my periphery vision it was gone um graphic design was still very firmly in there and being a vet was the other one so my that my that was my decision when I was 14 was whether I wanted to be a designer or a vet and I quite quickly decided that I didn't want to be a vet um I liked I love animals but I don't want to have I, I yeah the science side of it was not not something that I wanted to pursue um but for yeah whatever reason just that idea that if you're an artist then you have to be a starving artist that was I, I wouldn't have had that language but that was the yeah that was what was instilled so it it, it just completely dropped out of my and, and being an author it's not structured enough it, that was that's the memory that I have is that those things aren't structured enough they're not safe they're too risky and risks are dangerous <laughs> um my biggest blocks to being true to myself creatively um good girl conditioning in in the most simplest answer to that is good girl conditioning uh, looking back over the different sort of phases of my creative life all of them, all of the decisions that I've made that have taken me further away from my true, um, you know, my true kind of content that I want to put out there, the true, true message, I suppose, the story behind my work, which is becoming stronger and stronger as I, as I, you know, allow myself to unapologetically show up, um, is that like looking for other people's opinions looking for other people's validation looking for their response being positive I think you know it's so it's it's such it's such a huge web it's such a deep dark you know <laughs> a deep pit to to delve into and that's that's what I'm doing right now um 
but yeah at, at every level at every twist and every turn I was looking for someone to tell me that this was good and had for had for whatever reason and I don't know how it would have even happened but I had someone role modeled to me that being unapologetically myself and being weird and being wonderful and being like creepy crazy whatever the whatever the words are was okay and actually was something to be celebrated um things could have been pretty different earlier and again not I'm not even I don't know what that would have been like all I know is that at the age that I'm at now this is the right time for me to really break that glass ceiling that I've accepted for myself um, and start to use creativity as a tool to really break down that good girl conditioning and to really kind of lovingly honour the journey that is, has, it has taken me on and lovingly honour all of the things I've produced throughout that kind of twisty, turny, good girl, creative journey um, and not shame it, not sort of shame my inner child, not shame the different versions of myself that have brought me to where I am today and also put them, you know, put them in their place. Like, it's like that thing you know, people talk about in therapy about not letting them drive the bus anymore. Those versions of myself, I don't want them to drive my creative bus. They're, they are part of the path that got me here. They're almost the road that the bus is now driving on or has, has driven on, um, but it's not driving. Any, they're, they're not driving anymore. The, the one that's driving is the is actually and I often refer to her is actually the five-year-old is is she's not driving but she's like the conductor if that makes sense she's like stood next to the driver who is me right now who I am um but she, and she's like the advisor to the driver uh, I often look to her to be like okay would my five-year-old self want to create this I my other question for myself is often would if I had a daughter would I want her to sacrifice, you know, within life, we're told that we have to sacrifice things to get what we want. Um, and my question is often, yeah, if I had a daughter, would I want her to sacrifice this to get this? And most often the, the answer is no. And so then there's a removal process, a removal, like I remove myself from that situation, step into a different unknown path which is the risk that everyone was terrified of is stepping into the unknown and yet it's mine it's it's my decision it's 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 a me path rather than a projected path from out of fear from society's fear okay next question um is there something particular that you experience that you see as a turning point to being unapologetically yourself and delving deeper in it into how you show up oh that's kind of just what I was chatting around but um there's many things that have been turning points the earthquake was one in 2015 that started a new chapter um and no one would have advised me I don't think to spend my time writing and illustrating a children's book as in response to that same with Kumari's adventure with her moon cycle. No one, I think, if I'd sat, if I'd been like, oh, shall I get some advice from people about whether I should spend, you know, all of this time unpaid creating a children's book or a, it's not really children's, it's, um, you know, a, a tween teen girls book around menstrual health and bringing it into a story format and making it fun and accessible and exciting and, um, you know, connecting it back, to, connecting the menstrual cycle back to nature. Probably people would have told me not to do it. <laughs> but that was, that's what's interesting is those were the points where my listening completely shut off. I didn't even ask the questions, which is, you know, a, an, another good sign. But had someone told me that I probably shouldn't do it, I wouldn't have heard them. And for me, that's part of my um 
I mean, I'm, I'm aware, I'm not wary, but I'm aware of that now. Like there might be points in the future where I get carried away with a project that actually isn't going to serve, that, that might have a detrimental effect on me long-term. It will serve me, but it might have a detrimental effect on me long-term. And I want to be more aware of that more quickly because I did burn out doing Kumari's adventure with her moon cycle. Um, and, and financially it was very difficult. Um, and what, but what I, why I bring that up is because that was the first time I think since I was a child that I just surrendered to that creation process. I didn't really ask why, I didn't really ask why I was doing it. I just knew I had to. So yeah, that kind of experience of just a knowing that this this was something that I have to create and it's going to take me somewhere else and I probably wouldn't have even had that language that bit of taking me somewhere else but just knowing that this is what I have to do that was that's happened in with both of those experiences with Nepal with the country that shook from 2015 and then Kumari's adventure with her moon cycle which started at the end of 2019 so yeah while they're not necessarily they weren't necessarily recommended from a financial point of view, from a personal growth and a kind of finding myself point of view. Ironically, yeah, I like, you know, as many people say or suggest, like I probably have traveled to try and find myself, traveled a lot around the world. Um, and yet I wouldn't necessarily say I'd found myself on those trips but what has come from those trips has taken me on a journey to find myself and it's been through creativity so yes um with hindsight i can see this is me talking now with hindsight i can see how my good girl conditioning and perfectionism has massively affected my approach to creativity is there any part of the societal or familial structures that you've lived with that you feel strongly about freeing yourself from I feel like I've touched on this already. Um, but yeah, maybe. I mean, I did grow up in a very typical family structure. Two children, me and my brother, my parents and my dad and the, you know, the main wage and my mum had a job it was it was very much like she had the main role of housekeeping and working a full-time and at times working a full-time job but most of my later memory is of her working part-time jobs teaching um so yeah you know not a a job that takes takes um it takes skill it takes and it's very energetically tiring um Working a, working a job, looking after two children, running the house, cleaning, cooking, um, all of the things, planning the trips. Because she was a teacher, we had the six weeks holidays together in the summer. So she would, you know, plan these amazing trips um, around the country and around, we used to go to, to different places around the country in those holidays. And so, yeah, I did, I did grow up with this knowledge that as a woman that's we just have to do all of that we have to balance all of those things um, and I found as an adult that that does does not serve me and maybe that maybe that's my privilege um, partly of living in the time that we do and partly of you know the hard work that they did to have us live in an economic socioeconomic um, demographic that you know we're not having to you know I don't know we're not having to work a certain way to just get food on the table um yeah so there's something there's something there that I I know I am freeing myself from but it's it's icky it's like sticky icky where I'm not sure what this new realm of 
being a female, identifying as a female, and of feminism is looking like. And I feel like I'm I what the work that I'm doing is part of that exploration and also part of the 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 redefining because feminism has at some points been we need to become like men to fit into this male patriarchal society male um you know males are celebrated it doesn't mean that males win (laughs) males do not win in patriarchy males have a lot to contend with um but yeah part of feminism has been that has been like let's let's fit into these more masculine roles and so that we can then thrive um survive and thrive and now it's like no I don't know what is what is the next phase um I mean we're already in it that that whole idea of just um emulating the masculine is is for sure not functioned and um doesn't work for me for sure. Um, so now it's more like, how do we celebrate both? Celebrate the both and um, of the divine masculine, the divine feminine, and and see that I can bring that masculine energy into myself and I have it in myself. I can use the masculine energy in me um, to be that kind of um, structured container, dad-like figure of, you know, learning structures, um, having r- things in place so that I feel safe and um, that I can earn and work and um, live within a structure that feels safe and bring in that kind of mothering uh, feminine energy as well as the maiden and the crone like my god the crone energy for me is is amazingly powerful and I recognize how the mothering energy comes in for me with with creating the work that I create like I am mothering certain things into the world right now and have been for a long time so yes I think in terms of the familial structures that's that's what I'm freeing myself from and I love having role models in the world who are creating new structures of families Um, That to me is really inspiring and seeing how people are making it work for them rather than than working for the societal structures, blended families, um, you know, adopted, you know, adopting different ways of working together, living in village like structures, having multiple parents, not just two cope you know there's there's websites where you can look for co-parents that you if you want to be a parent, but you don't want to be in a kind of societally normal heterosexual or or um queer relationship but just with two people if you want to co-parent with with another human but not be in a romantic relationship of any kind that's you know that's opening up and so that's yeah something that is interesting to me Uh, would you say to someone what would you say to someone that has realized that their creative expression is playing safe so as not to offend people or trying to gain approval from an external source. Um, goodness. I mean, I feel like I could talk to myself. I mean, I, that's kind of what this question was getting at when I wrote it was this idea that we all probably, I mean, okay, I talk for myself. I definitely have previous versions of myself that I feel like I now send advice back. Not advice. I send acknowledgement back down to and sometimes when I'm having a hard moment now, I look to my future self and I know that there'll be moments in the future where I'm sending love, um, sending acknowledgement, sending appreciation to whatever I'm working through right now. Because obviously when you're in it, when you're working through something, when you're kind of sitting in the in the sort of muck of decolonizing a conditioning that you've had without knowing you can't see you can't see where it's going um and yet i try to focus on the fact that nothing you know nothing nothing is good nothing is forever this too shall pass everything has to change um so that it, it, it essentially 
whatever choices we're making now is part of a a bigger story so yeah I often sort of sit and I look to my future self and I'm like cool I'm hoping that you're sending something back for me right now a little bit of wisdom a little bit of encouragement a little bit of acknowledgement that you have no idea like what you're getting you know the amazing things that you're walking yourself towards right now and you can't see them and I'm just sending this love back to you to be like hey got your back I see you let's do this um let's move forward um so yeah my message my message back to myself um when my creative expression was playing safe so it didn't offend people and it was trying to gain approval from external sources is just not just there's no just about any of this it's big it's there's no sort of um one size fits all there's no button to press um but it is trusting the process um definitely and that actually to jump from that severely potentially severely colonized approach to a completely free approach would be far far too much for a nervous system to deal with it would it would be crippling so trusting the process that it's all a journey and that each step is something to celebrate um rather than like dreaming and being in desperation for the for the f- finished a finished article <laughs> do that in my inverted commas finished I mean none of us are finished ever I mean it would be pretty boring if we we're finished um trusting the process and trusting your intuition just even getting quiet for a moment just to be like is this is this what I want is this is this actually my choice And sometimes it won't be until hindsight, sometimes it won't be until afterwards that you can see that it wasn't your choice. And that's okay. I think that's another message is it's okay. This is such huge work to unpack and unravel, not even our lifetimes, generations of conditioning around how we should show up and what keeps us safe and how we survive this thing called life. And creative creativity is such a huge part of that because it is the source of everything. <laughs> you know, to create a child is cr- exactly that. Is you're creating a child, you're creating life, you are nurturing life. And as Laura talked about in her episode, every day we cr- we are creating a, a life, a day, whether we we think of ourselves as being creative or not. Um. So yes, it's breaking down this idea that we have to get somewhere and that if we can get quiet just for that moment there might just be a tiny it's the one percent it's the one percent maybe that's maybe that's actually my um my nugget of wisdom which is not from me at all I mean it's something that I definitely helps me is the idea that actually maybe it's not even one percent maybe it's naught point naught naught one percent because to get from zero to 0.01% is is the hardest is the hardest jump. It's just it's just incremental incremental changes. Another thing is what I mentioned earlier. Would I want my daughter? Would I, anyone that is important to you? Would I want my niece to experience this? Would I want my younger self to experience this? Would I choose this life for my sister who I adore? then it sometimes it's easier to put it on an external person who we love and then look at like actually that how am I treating myself how how am I honoring my own needs and my and for me creativity is a need um and I think for a lot of people it is a need so those things can sometimes help to break that down ah okay is there anything else that feels important to say about this rewilding process Ah, kindness, kindness and compassion and space for messing up, space for mistakes, space for failure, celebrating failure. Oh my goodness. 
I'm still on this journey of ce- of learning to celebrate failure, of not going into like a complete um, self-doubt spiral when something doesn't turn out as planned. And the 1%, going back to the 1%, looking at where I was with that two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, oh my gosh, the changes are huge. And yet, if I look back at last week, or, you know, how I dealt with a perceived failure two weeks ago, I would have been like, oh, I didn't deal with that very well. But if I look at it in the grand scheme of things, it's huge. It's so huge. And how I speak to myself in those moments, um, how quickly I catch myself, you know, with a not, with a negative self-talk, with a, oh, that was pretty stupid. You could have done that better. Like, how quickly do I catch that now? Much quicker. And then there's a moment of, like, either laughing at my silly brain and how it, you know, why is my brain berating me again? Or just, you know, bringing in that slightly kinder way of wording it. It's happening so much quicker. And sometimes it doesn't happen at all. Sometimes the, the negative thing doesn't happen at all. Sometimes it's just... um actually listening to my body's reaction rather than my brain's reaction that's um that's been something big is sometimes there's been what would be perceived to be a failure like someone doesn't want to work with me or um yeah that's probably the best example at the moment it's it's happened a couple of times recently where i'll send out uh, my information and my quote um and they don't want to work with me and actually, the bo- the feeling in my body is not relief, but it's it's like cool. Okay, like I put myself out there. I said how much this work costs for me, and that's what I feel like honors me in this moment. And there, so there is a sense of relief in a way. The relief is that I honored myself, and the relief is that I had I didn't put my prices down to try and entice them. And so that then I would be in a state of panic and fear that, oh, my God, I've got to do all this work for it, this price that doesn't actually reflect the amount of work that I need to be doing. So that's that's a big one is is to listen to my body, because if I let my brain lead from that, when I when I receive an email that says, oh, actually, I, no, that's too much for me, I can't work with you at this time. And often the emails are beautiful. The emails are lovely. They're not. There's no kind of disrespect in them. It's just saying this is not right for me right now. I'll keep you in mind. Um, but previously, I wouldn't have heard any of that. I wouldn't have read any of that. I would have just read, no, um, you're too much. Uh, you're ridiculous to be charging that much money, which was not written, but that's what I would have read. And now it's like, oh, okay, I can receive that um acknowledgement that it's not right for this person right now and therefore I'm not going to chase them I'm not going to reply and try and put a lower price in I'm not going to um suggest that um they they go for a lesser option maybe or something like that which is what I would have done before oh we could try we could do this and then you just have that part but not this part I'd have tried to kind of um find a solution and there's so much beauty in that, in that little girl who's trying to find a way for everyone to like her, who's trying to be nice to everybody. Um, but yeah, she again is part of the the story. She's part of what's brought me here. And now it's just about uh, listening, to, listening to my body, listening to the whispers, because there's a lot of wisdom in there. All right, so I've got to the end of my list. (laughs) So these are the kind of questions that I've been sharing with um, the other guests before we come on and record. Um, And as I say, the questions or these questions as I've sort of read them, most of them as um, I've recorded today, haven't come out specifically in this format, but I think because we've had that time for them to percolate before we start to record often these these questions are answered and then yeah the last question is where can people find out more about you and what you offer well you guys hopefully know where to find out more about me but yes I am on Instagram Sophie Malafan at Sophie Malafan is my main Instagram handle I've did set up again here's a little bit of honesty 
I just do this thing where I set up Instagram handles when I start a new project and I think that I'm going to have, you know, 55 hands and two brains, maybe more than two brains, two brains so that I can have all these things running at the same time. But I'm keeping the Firefly Creatrix um, handle and I'm keeping it mostly as a place to share about the podcast. It's not as updated as my personal page and I feel like my personal page at Sophie Malifant is... Um, yeah, it's my place. It's because it's got, again, it's got the full story that that Instagram account goes back, I think, since, um, when did I start it? I think 2012 or something like that. So it's like 10 years worth of content. Um, and again, a perfectionist previous version of me would have been like, oh, I should probably delete some of the older stuff because it doesn't represent me anymore. And I'm not going to, because I love that previous version was there, is there. And you know, will continue to be part of my story. Whether I try and scrub her out or not, she's part of my story. So she's in there. Um, so yeah, I'm keeping that as my main one. You can see my lino work on there. Um, I feel like sharing this, the, you know, the handcrafted work is, is really cool on Instagram. So yeah, follow me there and follow the Firefly Creatrix. You can find more, um, kind of see my body of work. Uh, which is another phrase that I really want to delve deeper into, the body of work. My body of work is on my website, thefireflycreatrix.com. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back next time. This is a new moon podcast. So happy new moon, everybody. Coming back to what we want to start this cycle. For me, this was pretty um, cathartic to answer these questions and to release into the world <laughs> right now into my computer <laughs> to release into my computer and to chat to you all um, about the answer to these questions and so for me it's it's creating space creating space for the new to come in to acknowledge where i'm at for this to be a timestamp, for this to be like a way marker a reference point um, that isn't going anywhere. These things, you know, my intention is that these podcasts will be available to listen for as long as as long as possible. And um, I like that. I like that they, yeah, they create a, a timeline. I hope you have a beautiful new moon and I'm already looking forward to the next conversation. Thank you for listening to our conversation today. Please do like and subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss a future episode.